Make the choice to begin anywhere in your life, and the journey has started. We exist more than just to educate. We exist to also revitalize. And along the way, you can inspire others and be inspired. But now there's a new generation of scholars, and I am among them. If you really want to know who you are and what you are capable of, Howard is the choice for you. Take a moment. Listen to the stories by joining the president of Howard University, Dr. Wayne A.I. Frederick, and his guest on The Journey. As our country continues to battle the coronavirus pandemic, our elected officials are working to balance citizens' desires for a return to normal with the need to ensure public safety and wellness. Hello, I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Today, my guest on the journey is Boyd Rutherford, Lieutenant Governor of Maryland. Lieutenant Governor Rutherford, welcome. Um, it's a pleasure to have you, and it's a little bit of a virtual coming back home to the Mecca, so very, very happy to have you today. Well, thank you. I'm honored. It's always great to be able to speak to you and, and it, you know, come back to the Mecca, even if it's just virtual. So I want to jump right in. I love to meet people from Washington, D.C. I moved here <laughs> in 1988. Uh, I was a 16-year-old, and I tell people when you meet people who originally are from Washington, D.C., there's nothing like it. So with that in mind, t tell me what it was like growing up here in uh, the Chocolate City. Uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. Um, you know, I grew up in Northeast D.C. and, um, you know, in a, a neighborhood that the families were similar to mine. Uh, many of them, you know, African-Americans who had their first opportunity to buy, you know, houses and bought houses in, in that area in the mid to late 1950s. Um, when, you know, at a time where they probably couldn't buy houses uh, everywhere in the city and definitely not everywhere in the area uh, because of restrictions. But, um, you know, all, you know, family environments, lots of, you know, kids, lots of guys in particular, there seemed to be more boys than girls. Uh, and so it was, it, it, you know, I'm still close to many of the, the guys and gals that I grew up with to this day. Now, obviously, Howard University uh, isn't far from where you grew up. Uh, most kids, no. when they get a chance to go to college, they want to move as far away from home as possible. What kept you home uh, in D.C. and made you go to Howard University? Well, you know, I applied to Howard when I um, was coming out of high school, but I, too, wanted to get as far away from home as possible. And my first year, I actually went to school in Boston. Uh, and I transferred back to Howard. And that year that I was in Boston was during uh, phase one busing. And there's an iconic picture of a, a mob beating an African-American with the American flag on the courthouse steps. Uh, this was a lawyer who just happened to be coming out of the courthouse. And at the time there was this big protest about busing in Boston and he was attacked and it was during a lot of that that was going on my freshman year in college and I mean it was shocking for me because I had come out of a city that you know didn't have racial strife particularly since it was 87 percent you know african-american and you always heard of Boston as the cradle of liberty and you know the abolitionist movement and Frederick Douglass had, had you know escaped to Boston and so to get there and to see and hear the vitriol that was going on on these issues where people were, you know, throwing rocks and bricks at school kids and buses, 
you know, it just, it was shocking for this 18 year old Washingtonian. So after my freshman year, I said, I'm going back to Howard. Uh, I'm going to go, you know, go and just get my education at a school where I feel a little more comfortable. And, and obviously, uh, you would go on to get a master's and your law degree from USC. That's, again, very different. You went to the West Coast, um, yep. apart from climate, very different political <laughs> scene, I would imagine, as well at that time. When I came in uh, to, to the law school class, we had a class of 181 students, and there were six of us who were African-American, six African-Americans out of 181 students. And I can remember uh, being in, a, in the, you know, the, the combined uh, ethnic black student, Latin student, Asian student offices um, and talking to some of the other students and they were, you know, kind of voicing concerns about being the only uh, African-American or one of two African-Americans in their class. Uh, there may have been 75 students in, you know, first year class. And, and you know, just saying how people were looking at them when they were asked a question. And I said to them, I said, you know, you're reading too much into this. I said, um, those students aren't really caring about the fact that you're answering the question or how the question is answered. They're just happy they didn't get called on. <laughs> and, and I think it was that I came into the situation without the baggage that many of these kids had from the schools that they had gone to before, where they truly felt like they were, you know, a minority or out of place. Uh, in the school and so they brought that same kind of feeling into the law school whereas I had gone through the experience of Howard where I just went through school like any other student because I didn't you know there was you know that that level of acceptance so when I got to graduate school uh, and law school I didn't have that baggage I wasn't looking over my shoulder I wasn't concerned that someone was you know trying to assess what I said because of the fact that I was an African-American in that class. I knew that the folks that were there, they, you know, if they were looking at me, they were just happy that they didn't get called on in, in the law school class and the Socratic method. Um, and they may have liked or disliked my response, but it wasn't anything that was something that I should worry about. And I would explain that to, you know, the other students. You're listening to The Journey. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today is Boyd Rutherford, Lieutenant Governor of Maryland. What drew you back into public service at that point? I understand that obviously you grew up in D.C. and, and that was, uh, and the federal government obviously is the cottage industry, but the reality is that you were out on the West Coast, went to law school. Um, yeah. I, I can imagine lots of opportunities to go into private practice and do so many other things entertainment law, et cetera. What still drew you back to public service and got you into the federal government? Um, well, you know, I, I still paid attention to policy even while I was practicing law, both on the West Coast and eventually I returned back to the East Coast and I was practicing in DC. And a lot of the work that I did was, was governmental related. Um, you know, some of it was environmental work that dealt with either state or federal environmental uh, laws and rules and some energy work. So I was still, you know, getting involved in policy. 
um, and you know, an, an opportunity came up um, to participate uh, in you know a possible appointment to federal government, um, a presidential appointment, and it was partly because it was people that I had uh, come to know in you know, alumni as well as in social settings um, that I, you know, I thought it would be, you know, something that I could enjoy. And um, I really did enjoy it because you feel as though you're, you have an opportunity to make a difference, you know, make a difference at where you can help people. Um, and it's not that you just, you know, helping yourself, say financially, or helping a client in a situation that they have, but you really are, you know, doing the, the, the greatest good. And so um, that was that was an opportunity that came up, and um, I, I continued once once that opportunity produced itself, and and moved on to others. Good. What what then made you make the switch to run for office? Because most public officials will tell you they either are ambivalent about running for office or they see it as a necessary evil. But well, what's your frame of reference on running for yeah, office? I'd say much more ambivalent. I was not really interested in running for office. I had people ask me from time to time, um, but it really wasn't until um, uh, Governor Hogan, then just citizen Larry Hogan, asked me to join him. Um, and we had been friends. We had worked together in the prior governor, uh, Governor Ehrlich's administration. Uh, we had developed a friendship during that time and continued to, you know, socialize together. Our families had socialized together. Uh, the, the strange world that we all live in is that his, his wife's middle daughter and uh, our oldest son actually went to high school together. So they knew each other before Larry and I knew each other. Okay. And so uh, okay. when he asked me to join him, I, I just, and he explained his reasons for asking me, uh, I thought there was something I could add. My, my governmental experience, particularly as operational, if you look at my, my resume in terms of government, it's been much more operational than, than policy. It's, you know, making sure the trains are running on time. Um, and so I thought there was something I could do, uh, some, some benefit that I could bring. And I think it was a good time in my life. My, my kids were out of the K through 12 experience. And uh, so I thought it would be something that was worthwhile. Well, what are some of the biggest challenges you think you've faced as uh, Lieutenant Governor? Obviously the pandemic, I would imagine would be one of those, but outside of the pandemic, what are some of the other challenges that, that you think you've faced that have been uh, pretty significant? Um, yeah, some, sometimes when you are working on something and, and you get most people agreeing that it is the right thing to do, right approach to take, um, there are other interests that in some cases may be, you know, self-interest that kind of step in the way of, you know, doing what you believe is the right thing and what there's a large number of people feel is the right thing. And that, and that could be frustrating. Um, you know, from a policy standpoint, um, you know, sometimes the, the, the lack of, uh, it gets put in partisan, you know, framework, but the lack of being able to really address challenges without folks, you know, taking positions purely on, on partisan grounds or on the position that, you know, a, a particular group that is outside of the state of Maryland 
you know, may be supporting a direction and they, they follow that along uh, just to oppose what it is that you're, you know, a reasonable policy and not willing to even, you know, kind of discuss it. That can be somewhat frustrating. But uh, that's, that's really rare, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how many things that we deal with on a daily basis. I, I have to say, you know, for me, a lot of that is rare, but you do face that and that, that can be frustrating. I, as we wrap, um, every Howard alum who comes on the show, um, the, the, the closing question is why Howard, but I'm, I'm going to put a slight twist on this. Uh, political science is now the number two subscribed major at Howard University oh. uh, from the undergrads for a variety of reasons. For those young people listening who see you in this position, very unique, what is your advice and why is Howard the place for them to fulfill their dream of becoming the next Lieutenant Governor uh, Rutherford? Well, um, I think, you know, I, I know that, you know, Howard prepared me for whatever it was that I would decide to do at a later point. I did not envision at the time, uh, you know, being Lieutenant Governor. Um, I, I studied political science and I studied economics. Uh, the political science probably was much more of an interest to me. Uh, the economics was, and be frank, I thought it would be more marketable to get a job because my, my objective, and it should be your objective, and I know your parents and whoever's helping you pay for this would feel the same way, is that you need to get a job when you get out of school. Uh, and so that was, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, still living in my parents' house when I, you know, got out. Uh, and so, you know, as far as Howard is concerned, it is going to prepare you for a future that you really can't envision at this point. Um, 40 years ago, and I, it's a little longer than 40 years ago when I graduated from Howard, I did not envision being lieutenant governor. Um, now, I did think about law school, which I ended up doing eight years after graduating from Howard, I went to law school, uh, but I did not envision being in this position. So, um, you know, you're preparing and, and Howard will prepare you for that future. Uh, thanks for being here, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, we certainly are proud of you, are proud of the work that you've been doing on behalf of the citizens of Maryland and also uh, consistently flying uh, the Howard flag uh, very high. Thank you. Thanks for being here. My guest today was Boyd Rutherford, Lieutenant Governor of Maryland. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey.